Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch-Alongs, presented to you by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am here with my cohort, my co-host, my co-chariot riding, dirtbag diving, the hard floor, uh, show me the money, bitch, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on? <laughs> That's... <laughs> that, that's quite the the introduction. Dirtbag, dirtbag riding. So you're 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 riding dirtbags down. You know, I, I don't know. I was going off the cuff there for a little bit, and obviously yeah, we see why I don't try to do that. Yeah, you might want to check your cuff again before you yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, how, how you doing, buddy? Bitch. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, hanging in. Um, looking forward to another uh, fun episode of these uh, these extreme watch-alongs as we we, we trek through 1997. Uh, Absolutely, in, in the land of extreme. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yes, if you're as not sure always. What this, if you're not sure what this show is, is marking out the day's <clears throat> extreme watch-alongs, where we watch ECW Hardcore TV from the year 1997. We are currently on March 25th, 1997. We like to queue up the Peacock and uh, watch along, and you know, banter back and forth, give you little uh, factoids and our, our opinion, and then kind of float around. Uh, you know, back and forth from retroactive to uh, how it concurs with modern day pro wrestling. Um, so it, it, it's all relevant. So it's evergreen content. You can watch along with us if you want, or you can just listen along with us. Dave and I uh, just run down these episodes. They've been pretty fun. This is our 13th one, um, and I'm ready to rock it, Dave. We usually get started by counting down and going, and then we, we, we flow right into it. Dave, uh, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do but it. Make sure, let's, let's make sure everyone is ready. That is, that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, going to watch along with us. You know, grab your cock if the goddamn thing works, um, because this app is the worst app that, dub, like I said, yeah, it's. I, I don't like to normally bag on stuff like this, but Peacock deserves it. Yeah. Um, so, so grab your Peacock if it's functioning. If it doesn't stall on you or buffer for forty-five minutes. Because it did that to me the other day. In fact, that did that to me on a, on a recent recording too. I was I was livid. I was fucking on fire. Uh, but anyways, um, go to ECW Hardcore TV. Now they now they have a little. They, they've they've improved some of their interface. Okay, because now they have different hubs for different sections of the WWE hub. So there's an ECW section, and you click on that, and then there's a whole library full of stuff. But you find Hardcore TV. You go to season five. Episode 13, it's March the 25th, 1997, it runs 47 minutes, the, the, the picture in that, that the, um, next to the date is a picture, a close-up of Terry Funk, and it says, Takamichinoku, Terry Boy, and Dick Togo battle the great Sasuke, Gran Hamada, and Gran Nauria, so, um, 
So, so yeah, all you, uh, you you Japanese wrestling wing nuts that think you know that that's the end all be all to wrestling. You know, seven stars in the Tokyo Dome when uh, you know Toyota Yamamoto wrestled uh, you know Kazuchika um, Onita Akazawa. Oh, um, you know, if you th- if you think that that's the end all be all to pro wrestling, then you're gonna love this edition of ECW Hardcore TV. Yeah, a little. Uh, I'm uh, gonna butcher. Little... I'm gonna butcher the Japanese <laughs> these Japanese names. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Uh, and I'm gonna do it on purpose too because I really don't know any other way to to pronounce their names properly. So please, by all means, um, bear with me. Uh, but yeah, go to March 25th, 1997, and when Kobe or myself, whoever decides to take control of this this countdown, pre- says click play, you're gonna press play. And every once in a while, we might play the audio so you guys can get a feel of what we're watching. If you're watching with us, if you're not watching along with us, go fuck yourself. Um, and yeah, that's about it. You know, we're, we're going to get right to it. So let's do it. Let's do, As Macho Man Randy Savage used to say in commentary, let's do the thing. Uh-huh. And I don't even know what the thing was, but you know, let's do the thing. The I'm thing and the thing. thing. Uh-huh. I'm going to do the thing, and then when I'm done doing that thing, I'm going to do another thing. And then maybe later I'm going to do the real thing. You know what I mean? Uh, the real but thing, I'm gonna, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> I'm going to do the thing and the thing. Uh-huh. All right. Okay, uh, ready? Countdown, Dave? Let's do it. Uh, when All we right. say play, you hit that play button. Dave? That's right. You want me to do the countdown? Absolutely. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go slow for some of you guys, okay, <laughs> that are listening to this, all right? So so that you guys don't, you know, whine and complain like, oh, that Dave Rousey, but he went too fast on the countdown, and my internet speed's not quick enough to keep up with it. No. I'm going to go slow for all of you guys. So I'm going to go from five instead of three. Sometimes Some guys do three. I'm going to go five, okay? So in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I almost want to do the um, Shane Douglas and Francine uh, opening up this episode of ECW. I almost want to do the Wayne's World. Do you remember the countdown in Wayne's World? Where it's like five, four, and then oh, no, he, doesn't, that's, that's... he doesn't say the three, two, oh, one. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I should have done that. Why didn't I think of that? I was old enough for that shit. Come on now. I was oh. thinking of the dream with a... That's, no, that's every episode before we watch this. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? As we're getting a recap of Shane Douglas and... Uh, Show me the money, bitch, Brian Lee, oh. uh, choking out the pit bulls. Imagine if he was if he pl- had that part on Jerry Maguire of uh, what's his name, um, Cuba Gooding. Oh my you know? God! Show me the money. Now I'm just getting why he was saying that because this that was a popular movie at the time. I think it was. Yeah, you know what I mean. It wouldn't surprise me. Look at this. This guy kept up with pop culture enough to put it in his promo. The best thing he's ever done since since Fake Undertaker '94. Right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And then we get Rick Rude uh, with the pit bulls there in the mask. Uh, Rick Rude still hasn't made his, uh, his, uh, uh, you know, conce- uh, revealed who he is. No, but everyone, we, we all, you know, we all TV, clearly it's, know. It's got it's got the Dusty Rhodes Midnight Rider kind of vibe to it. Everybody knows who it is by his voice and his mannerisms, the gyrating of the hips. So yeah. it's it, it's got that that old Midnight Rider, um, you know, feel to to, to the angle. Mm-hmm. Um, to the best of my recollection, I think this was the period of time where he was trying to get back into wrestling like full time. Yes. Um, even though he had taken one of those Lloyds of London insurance payouts that um, that, that that 
paid him out pretty well. Um, he was looking to find a way to get back into professional wrestling on a full time basis. It would be it would have been interesting to see a ravishing Rick Rude, um, you know, uh, the the character in the in the this era of wrestling uh, as a as a performer as a as a full time performer. It would have right. been very interesting to see how he would have fit in, not just in ECW, but eventually, you know, later on this year in '97, he would return to the WWF as Shawn Michaels' insurance policy. And be a part of the early formation of Degeneration X with with Hunter and China as well. So uh, it would have been, I would have been very intrigued to see how he would have fit in. Uh, Ravishing thought... Rick Rude and a Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? You know what I mean? Look at you out here swiveling your little hips like like some little fruitcake, you son of a bitch. Well, yeah, I always you know thought it I mean? was interesting like... that Rick Rude was kind of the uh, the mentor or the body, you know, the uh, special insurance for for DX, where where you know it. it uh, Shawn Michaels and Rick Rude kind of mirrored himself, mirrored themselves in their career as being the uh, yeah. flamboyant or, uh, you know, the raunchy guy that mm-hmm. that the women loved. You know? I wonder if Rude was trying to go for you know a different approach, not be as you know flamboyant with that character upon this return. It, you know, his attempt. I'm I'm always curious to 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 figure out what his what his plan was. You know what I mean? Um, I know for years in WCW, he tried to pitched the idea of becoming a babyface and and it was something that was turned down i mean you had you had at that time you had sting who was technically the number one babyface but once hogan showed up that was a done deal hogan hogan was easily number one sting took a back seat so where were you going to put rick rude and rick rude would have been a, a perfect opponent for a hulk hogan um you know as a top as a top heel in the promotion, but then you had Ric Flair, you had Vader. So on either side of the spectrum, Rude was going to play second or third fiddle. Um, he wasn't going to be exactly in the top of each you know category, whether it be a heel or a babyface. So um, it's interesting that you know where Rude would have fit in uh, in this time frame in 1997 in in any aspect of of professional wrestling. Absolutely. And, you know, to think of it, too, like one of his buddies at the time who is also going through the similar thing with the Lloyds of London in 1997, uh, Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. Um, And he's having contract disputes real time with WWF uh, about trying to get back in the ring. And they just want to use him as a fuck you to WCW. But he he wants to wrestle again. Um, Yeah. And it's a lot of things. I think, doesn't he end end up uh, avoiding the Lloyds of London to eventually get back into WCW to wrestle? I don't know. I don't know how he did that. I don't know the terms of his his agreement with them when when it it came time for the payout and how he, I don't know if he had to pay that all back. I would imagine, you know, if he returned, he he would have had to pay all that money back. Yeah. Um. So, but I really don't know. I don't know how that worked out. I know that um, he was in talks with the WWF. There was a possibility of him being kind of like a last-minute surprise at WrestleMania um, this year, WrestleMania 13. But um, uh, you know, from my research, it was just him kind of playing both sides to the middle and seeing what kind of deal he was going to be able to get with WCW. And a lot of guys were doing that at the time. Yeah, and eventually he would debut in June of '97. as a part of WCW and be, you know, thrust right into a main storyline with the Four Horsemen and the NWO. Yeah, so, absolutely. But I have a question to ask you. Uh, this is this is an idea I'm kind of throwing on the spot for you here. Sure. Um, I was looking at the schedule of the ECW Hardcore TVs on the Peacock, and the April 15th edition of that 
that episode is pretty much a clip show of the ECW Barely Legal pay-per-view. Okay. So, what if instead, on April the 15th, we watch the entire ECW Barely Legal pay-per-view from start to finish on the Peacock? Oh, or, or we can pick a match. Like we may, 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 Would it be better if you wanted to pick a match instead? Maybe like we watch Taz and Sabu? Sure, that that seems to be the most built up one, and you know, three hours can get pretty long for a, a yes. watch along, and plus we're doing the show, um, so it'll all tie in from the show. Um, yep, it, it, I, I would love to watch that. We'll we'll queue it up, and then we'll get the time, and then we'll let everybody know. Yeah, awesome, sounds good. So April fifteenth, special twenty five year watch along of ECW's. Um, the, the the attraction, the match that sold the tickets, yeah. Taz and Sabu from the very first barely legal uh, ECW pay-per-views. We see Terry Funk entering the ring here at the local VFW. <laughs> What's the timestamp that we're at, buddy? Um, I am currently at six minutes and fifty-two seconds and counting. I don't right know where on. you are at. I am. I am right there too. Okay, perfect. Uh, I so had your a, peacock buffered too uh, when when you pressed play. Yeah, it did buffer, and then it just buffered again. So we're gonna have to keep up with the cock. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about what just happened in real time. One of the biggest, not so biggest pay per views. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest since WrestleMania ten, if you will. WrestleMania thirteen, the thing that yes. you know that changed the ad, it, the dawn, the origin of attitude. Um, all things that you and I have both talked about in the archive that you can find on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Look back and uh, listen uh, to Origin of Attitude or Dave's uh, run-through of the Austin and Bret Hart match from WrestleMania 13 and other episodes that we have done covering all that timeline. It's a great time in WWF, and they they have definitely uh, popped their cherry on being attitudinal and creating the anti-hero much of what uh ecw has been doing for a bit on the lower scale yeah yeah you can go check out uh austin versus brett uh kicking out at two in the streams over on the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network by searching retro mania with a w my brother justin joins me he's a huge Bret hart mark and we we run down some of the possibilities of the impact that this match had um on the WWF as a whole in 97, the landscape changing, the product changing, and this match being a perfect example of that. The Arguably the greatest double turn in the history of wrestling, you know, and, and some other questions too that, that arise as to, you know, when it comes to this match. You know, what if Shawn Michaels didn't lose his smile and we got to see Brett and Shawn? What's Austin's trajectory then? What, right. we, what would his creative been at WrestleMania 13? Um, does Brett still turn heel? Uh, you know, if he were to wrestle Shawn Michaels at this WrestleMania, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of different creative, you know, what ifs and scenarios that Justin and I run down um, in this match with Austin and Brett. And we watch it with all of you. So, you know, there's been some good positive feedback. People are watching this or, or listening to it on the stream over at Podbean. So I greatly appreciate it. Um, the 25 year anniversary had, you know, recently approached. And so, yeah, really looking forward to, uh, to, uh, um, you know, continuing my, you know, my story, my, my, my coverage of 1997 for when it comes to Raw and Nitro on kicking out at two. Uh, coming up in the very near future, we're going to be covering the March 31st episode of Monday Night Raw when the Hart Foundation was formed. Brett Owen and the Bulldog. Uh, as we see Terry Funk nailing Axel Rotten with a bottle yeah, of Windex. He, he I didn't think we'd ever see that. 
<laughs> you play, <laughs> well, I think he played it, it before the Windex. Oh, God oh, damn. You're going to get an infection. Let me clean it out for you, you son of a bitch. Yeah, um, one of the, one of the one of the big heel turns of all time, minus Hogan, which brings a question to mind, which I wanted to ask you. Do you think Brett yeah. did this because Hogan kind of uh, turned heel the year before, almost you know nine months before? Uh, you um, know, everybody wanted to be a bad guy at this time. Sean was going for it. Austin was going for it. You know, Brett made that turn, but in a, in a logical way, rather than just you know coming out and turning and saying, "I'm bored, brother." Yeah, um, but it, it was pivotal um, I think, uh, for yeah. Hulk Hogan to turn. Yes, I mean Hogan had to turn, otherwise he wasn't going to be able to survive with the red and yellow. Um, yeah, at that time in WCW. But do I think Brett turned because of Hogan? I don't think that that was the reason. I think I, I do think there was some influence there because, like you said, there were other individuals that were kind of adopting an edge to their character. Shawn Michaels was a little more edgier. Um, he wasn't just this clean cut white meat baby face. Um, Brett was in that white meat baby face category as we see some not so white meat baby faces, Sandman and Tommy Dreamer cleaning house on prime time. Give me my money, bitch. Brian Lee and the Dudley boys, Terry Funk going at it too. Is this going to turn into a six man? Where's Teddy Long to book the match? Exactly. Um, but, Brett, but, but Brett. And it, this is a point that my brother brought up in, in the, the Austin Brett watch along that you guys can check out in the archives is that Brett was right all along. It wasn't really Brett that turned heel. It was the fans that turned on Brett. Yes. Because, uh, you know, Brett had been screwed over constantly and he'd been, you know, expressing his frustrations. The audience got sick and tired of hearing it. So they turned their backs on them, on him. Um, and so. Brett was right about the wrestling fans turning their backs on him. And then eventually it became a very geographical, territorial type of angle where Brett was Brett had adopted Oh, we got more we got more melee here with Saturn and Cronus entering the fray. This brawl's never gonna end. This could be but, a survivor series, five on five. That'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be very interesting. An ECW version of Survivor Series. But nonetheless, um Brett turned out a necessity, I think adopting an edge to his character. And what was great about his run was that he was a babyface in every other country, especially Canada, but every other country known to man, but a heel in the United States. Yeah. Something that absolutely. had never been done before. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, Hogan was a heel all the time. Um, yeah, it was, uh, oh, look at this. We got Raven at the top of the deck there. Very in the cool auditorium. Shot. Yeah, that's a pretty cool shot, actually. Um, I don't know where that is, but that's actually a kind of a neat little intimate setup for an ECW uh, ECW event. As we see Terry Funk cutting a promo here, let's let's play the audio for this. Knee dropping, toe holding, son of a son of a gun, meaner than a rattlesnake, tougher than shoe leather, more dangerous than a hollow-eyed scorpion. You know I've scorpion. said that so many times through the years. You don't know how long it took me to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but I we believe you, Terry. But now, here's Raven that goes in and says that I am some kind of a fool. That I am an old fool. Yep. You but are. I am an old fool. Yeah, okay. And I love to think like that, but I got to think realities. And what the reality is, is that I want to be the 
champion. I want you fans. I want you to be able to stand out there. I want you to be able to come into the ring and say, we did it our way. We did it our way. But I realized that I can't go out there and be the, given the gift of walking into the ring with Raven for the world championship. I realize that there's a three-way dance. A three-way dance. Just got the with memo. Sandman and Stevie <laughs> Richards. And I realize that this is the biggest thing in their entire life. What do I have to do? I have to go into there with the best of my ability, the best of my knowledge, and take it one step at a time. And I hope that God will be behind me, and I hope and I pray that I have a little bit of luck on my side. And if I can walk into there and walk out of that three-way, oh, if I get you into the ring, Raven, if I get you into the ring, then I know it's a sure thing. Bet your money on the Funker. Bet it on the Funker. On the night of the 13th for the first ECW pay-per-view. Wow. Some intense- All right, Terry, it's time to crush your medicine in your applesauce. <laughs> I was um, going to say, some intense dementia there. Yeah. My goodness. Oh, strutting. There Colby, was a... can you hold on just a second? I have a phone call I have to take from work. Just hold on one second. Absolutely. Yeah, so, oh. uh, folks, we are still watching yes. this extreme yes, watch-along uh, going Thank you. on. And the Blue World Order is doing their, you know, recaps here of them being Kiss, uh, Rocking with the crowd, showing how over they are, essentially. And um, it's 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 Stevie Richards now coming into the ring. Stevie Richards. Okay, I'm back. I apologize about that. Yeah, you're all good. Um, We're live here. So Stevie Richards celebrating getting into the ring. You know, if it's live, it's meant to happen. Yes, exactly. He's doing his best. Kevin Nash. And again, uh, you know, last week we we. We spoke of the passing of Scott Hall and remembered him. Um, this week in the Res- Observer from 1997, uh, there was news that Scott Hall voluntarily checked himself into rehab this week. So, yeah. a long time for this guy that he struggled. You know, those were the first you know, kind of signs of it that we saw. I, I, I listened to um, the one of the. I'm, I'm still not done with it, but one of the most recent episodes of uh, of. Uh, 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. They're covering Sid. And, you know, uh, their, their recording schedule, they sometimes record a few weeks ahead of time. So they weren't um, up to speed with the recordings when it came to, you know, the recent passing of Scott Hall. So they had to briefly discussed it. And Eric Bischoff made a great point. He was like, we all know of Scott's challenges. It's, it's, it's no secret. You know, he had some challenges throughout his, you know, career publicly when it came to drugs and alcohol. Um <clears throat> But it wasn't what he wanted to remember him by. Uh, he wanted to remember the, the, the man and the performer and the giving man as a performer um, and how he helped other guys creatively. And, and, and it wasn't just about him. Um, you know, when the red light was on, nobody could touch him. And, you know, it's, it, of course, unfortunately, something like this 
you know, that when it occurs, you know, you, you hear so many glowing um, compliments from, you know, their colleagues and their peers. But this this is one of the things that really rings true when it comes to Scott Hall and the success of the NWO. If it wasn't for Scott Hall and that exuding that cool factor, uh, you know, into the NWO presentation, I don't think the NWO would have been as successful as it was. I mean, oh, no. it, I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think, you know, if they if they did things in reverse and they put Kevin Nash out on TV first and then they had Scott Hall as the surprise the next week, I don't think it would have been as successful. Scott was, Scott, I mean, like I said, he was, he exuded cool. You know right. what I mean? The way he carried himself, you know, Conrad brought up a great point in that podcast. Scott Hall could wear something funky to the ring, or you know, he used to wear his T-shirt like a like a bath towel. Yep, I had never seen anybody do that, and then everybody did that. Or Scott Hall used to wear the 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 bandana backwards that was yeah. tied up in the front, like kind of like how Tupac used to wear it. You know, and for most white guys, it would look silly for a white guy to come out with a bandana tied on backwards, and you know. With, with the knot in the front. But Scott Hall did it and made it look cool to the yep. point where guys like the New Age Outlaws used to do it and everyone used to think it was cool. You know, I mean, no, sh- like, even as a kid, I did it. You know, I had a bandana and I did the same thing. I'd go to end yeah, up, even though when you know, Billy go to wrestling it, events. And, pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. He just brought cool, but, you know, going on that, that addiction that he had for so long, it was just, it's hard. And as we see, speaking of addiction and, uh, the, the pains and trials and tribulations of, uh, of being in this industry, Balls Mahoney and uh, <clears throat> um, Sandman here. This match was talked about in The Observer, too, for the unprotected chair shots that we're going to see, um, just rattling each other's brains. And then, you know, eventually Balls would, you know, he'd have a rough life, a rough go at it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's another one of those guys that, you know, unfortunately fell victim to, as they like to say, they're demons. I hate that term. Um but I mean, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. Um, did you actually know? I, I read this recently that that Sandman is no longer a a um, a, a connoisseur of alcoholic beverages. Interesting. Yeah, there was some interview recently where he said that he quit drinking a few years ago. Huh. So I wonder if um, I wonder if uh, um, you know when he does make appearances because every now and then they'll throw like they'll they'll put him on a show or whatever. Um, like GCW, I think used them once. Um, you know, of course they bring him in just to do his entrance. Kane, a couple of guys, and, and curtain call, and you know the whole thing's done. Look at this interesting shot here. The ceiling. Look at. <laughs> they had to take the fucking the ceiling tiles out so they could get up on the top rope. <laughs> Holy shit! That is awesome. Sam in with the roll up and the three count. Wow. And we've talked about it before. I've spoke of it. I, I believe Sandman was a huge influence to uh, to Stone Cold's persona. Oh, um, I'm sure of it. Especially at this time, Sandman is so over. He just walks out smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. Of course, Austin can't really smoke a cigarette being with the WWF, but he would eventually adopt the beer-swirling, you know, ass-kicking, boot-kicking, uh, brawling style. Yeah. Um, it's just a... Uh, I think Austin has stopped adopted that style for a number of reasons. Okay, first the neck and foremost, injury. the injuries. Yeah, the, you know he couldn't wrestle. You know b- because before the neck injury, even before the knee injuries, Austin was a a great technician in the ring. Yes, I mean his matches. You know, 
you know, tag teams with stunning, you know, Brian Pillman, stuff in the Dangerous Alliance, even when he was a singles in WCW. He was a great wrestler, bell to bell. So it wasn't like he couldn't wrestle before that. But yeah, the injuries, I think, were definitely um, played a big part in him adopting that style. And then, of course, you know, the character as well. So um, it's just kind of like the stars aligned when it came to, you know, creating that body of work for him. Um, with the influence, of course, a big part of it being from uh, Sandman's character in ECW. Yeah. As we see a recap of the Dudleys winning the Intercontinental Tag Team Championships <laughs> um, from the Eliminators, Cronus and uh, Saturn with Joel Gertner um, ready to uh, ready to make the announcement here. Uh, I think this sets up the rematch um, at Barely Legal. Yes, indeed, it does. Um, you know, a hot tag team feud at the time, too. Two hard-hitting, um, great tag pairings. Um, I would have liked to have seen Kronos and Saturn get pulled into WCW, but we see Saturn go by himself eventually. Um, I had heard that, that uh, there's, and this will be another big story that I'm sure that we'll be talking about as we watch these ECW episodes throughout the course of 97, was the Todd Gordon Mole story, where... There was a rumor that Todd Gordon was a mole for WCW, and he was the one that was supplying WCW with ECW talents such as Saturn, Stevie Richards, Raven, and there were a few guys that were were recruited to take part and leave to go to WCW for you know financial greener pastures, as they like to say. And that's um, that's very interesting because you know at the time WWF. Vince McMahon is paying $50,000 a month to Paul Heyman for the upkeep of ECW, essentially yes. as a breeding ground for the future of WWF stars. Uh, WCW, even at the time, is offering Rob Van Dam a contract, um, which yes. he, he essentially turns down, as we as we know. He never went to WCW, but could you have imagined uh, Rob Van Dam in ECW with the cruiserweight division? I was going to say, yeah, RVD, I don't think would have gone anywhere past maybe cruiserweight, U.S. title status. TV title. Can, TV title, exactly. Yeah, I, I can't see him, you know, being a, a, a major player, especially with the landscape that was created with the NWO, because the NWO was the, the, the top story within WCW. Um, but I bet you, in, in, you know, this is something to. to to th- really ponder and think about. I, I'm willing to bet that if RVD were to have become a success in WCW, let's say in the cruiserweight division or even in the mid-card with like the U.S. and the TV title, he probably would have been wearing NWO colors because mm. they would have wanted to attach themselves to someone as, as flashy and as popular as RVD. Very cool. Yeah, um, right now we're getting that uh, six-man tag that you spoke of earlier with the gate. Great Sasasuke and Taka starting it off. Taka Michinoku is a student of the Great Sasuke. Great Sasuke has been a legend for years, um, and he actually owned Michinoku Pro at the time. So uh, this, these are all his students and his guys um, in there. Um, <clears throat> Dick Togo is in the opposite corner on the left. Um, he is one of the <laughs> guys who is still wrestling to this day. Actually, uh, Taka Michinoku and Dick Togo are going to face each other in about a month. In real time in 2022. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Where, so, who, where, are they, who, where are they wrestling out of? Somewhere out uh, of Japan? Yeah, Taka Michinoku's uh, promotion. It's called... Uh, oh, he's still got a, a, a fed. Okay. Yes, he does. Uh, just tap out, and then he has a Takataichi promotion. 
Takataichi. Takataichi, yeah. Uh, Dick Togo in the blue there. Um, Dick to go. Yeah, Dick to go, right? You know, yeah, I think I think I think it worked what, yeah. for the ECW fans. You know, they they liked this style of wrestling, but they also liked the the comedy that these guys would add in. Um, and they're they're all very talented junior heavyweights. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, I think this style blended well with ECW as an attraction. I don't think it's something that was was building their brand long term. Well, besides okay. Masato Tanaka. Yeah, but tonight, but that that was that was he was he was kind of a stepping stone of a guy like a, a gatekeeper, if you will, for the yeah. style. Yeah, I mean, Tanaka wasn't also. I mean, towards the end, he was more full time, but he'd come in and out too. True, uh, true. With, with the promotion, so he wasn't. Uh, he 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 wasn't a full time regular until I'd say probably around ninety nine. Right. Um, when they put him in the title picture with with uh, Mike Awesome, but uh, yeah, I mean it was a, it was a nice little counteraction to, to 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 WCW and their you know their, their launch of the cruiserweight division, um, you know, and it was also part of the working. You know, you you would see some of these guys in on WWF programming eventually. Taka, as well as um, Sasuke and. Yep. And uh, is it Sasuke? Yes. How do you pronounce it? Great Sasuke. Okay. So they would have a they would have a great match on a WWF pay per view. Actually. <clears throat> yes, Canadian Stampede. As a matter of fact, uh, you could find that in the archives of Kicking Out It Two by searching Retromania with a W. Um, that was a special watch along we did for. Uh, it was like a wedding send off for Justin. Justin was getting married, so we 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 I had I said pick pick a pay per view you want to watch, and he said Canadian Stampede, and I said done. And him, myself, and Dennis sat back and watched that entire show from start to finish. So you can find that. That's a couple years old, but you'll definitely find it in the um, the, the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast. And a great match between the two, yeah. Sasuke and uh, Michinoku. Yeah, and it's still, you know, this year of 1997, just uh, ringing true that it, it just is one of the most influential, if not one of the best <clears throat> flowing years in wrestling history. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of change, a lot of different direction um, on all fronts with 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 everyone when it comes to their programming. I mean, the WWF was going into more attitude. Um, ECW was hitting the mainstream with the with the launch of this upcoming pay per view, and even WCW to an extent was seeing a shift in their programming. Um, even though you know they were winning the ratings war, you were seeing a shift in their programming around this time when. You started to see some cracks into the NWO. For weeks and months, you would see the NWO just killing guys on TV. But then you started to see um, other individuals get the best of the NWO from time to time. So there's a lot of change in the programming. A lot of guys moving, coming and going um, in in all directions in in the landscape when it comes to the top three promotions. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun year. That's why I wanted to cover it on Kicking Out It too, because there was so much memorable content from both raw and nitro um yeah. that you know i couldn't help but you know want to watch, watch it and even some of the stuff i've not seen before so uh yeah i'm looking forward to really going on this this journey if you will of, for 1997 originally wanted to do you know start the year but of course you know the guy with the fucking floor and all that stuff you heard that <laughs> you heard that story you heard that gimmick that so you could check out the archives of um marking out the days to hear me bitch about that but yeah, um, I mean, it, it's just 
it's just a great year, and this shows right here in this match how fast this is flowing. It, it's very influential to the time right now. Um, Terry Boy getting in there. Um, that's his Towel name. Boy? Terry Boy. Towel Boy? Yeah, the Towel Boy. And this is Dick to go, right? Uh, th- no, that's Terry Boy and Great Sasuke. I don't think Dick Togo was in this match. Yes, Dick Togo is uh, the the gentleman in blue with the mustache. Um, he's he's in the corner with Taka. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, maybe he. Oh, he. Uh, so Grand Hamada is the guy getting in right now, and then Grand Naninwa is the other guy with the mask. Okay. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah. I, I was I was confused. I mean, it's it's hard not to be confused. You know? Yeah, if you're not familiar, you, you won't know. I, I've watched enough Japanese. I'm just wrestling. curious. Did Luke, did Lex Luger sell his tights and his wrestling gear to Terry Boy here? Yeah, I know, right? You see that? <laughs> He's trying to be the uh, the version he, of he, the the US he, he, Lex Express. Yeah, he he was gonna ride the the Rex Exp- I mean, the Lex Express. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fast-paced match, though, at the time. Um, in the Observer also reported that Great Sasuke breaks his orbital bone, not necessarily in this match, but uh, the week of um, in wrestling, and uh, he's still going to try to appear at the ECW Barely Legal pay-per-view. I think he does, right? He's yeah. part of that eight-man tag, yeah. right? Yeah. Wrestles with a broken orbital. Some tough son of a bitches. I mean, you know what? You got you to gotta go to work. Got to pay the bills. You know what I mean? This, yeah. This, you know, if you if you if you don't work, you don't get paid. That was the old adage in the in in the old days of wrestling. You know, you don't work, you don't get paid. So, um. all right, Dave, let's let's do a little let's have a little fun here. I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz, okay. I'm gonna quiz you for the time. Okay, okay let's no do it. no cheating. At all this right, time, no who is the WCW TV champion? At the time, who is the WCW TV champion? Is it Prince Iakea? Yes, indeed. Ding ding ding. <laughs> All right. Who is the WCW Cruiserweight Champion? At the time, the WCW Cruiserweight Champion was six of the NWO. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Who is the WCW United States Champion? Uh, is it Eddie Guerrero? Mm, he had just lost it to Dean Malenko. Oh, okay. All right. And Eddie Guerrero right. suffered a torn pec and would be out for six months, and then this would be the, the awesome return of Eddie Guerrero that we would eventually see in this year, where it's it's just this cold-blooded Eddie, you know? Oh, that oh. sets up the rivalry with Ray, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, he's a lot more he... cut, and he's just like, what the look? You know, he 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 never really talked like that before in WCW. He was no. always like, I'm going to go out there and get him. And then yeah. he comes back and he's like, ah, I'm going to do the best I can. Right. And yeah. then, then he came back and he was like, I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal, let's say, orale. Yeah. Very cool. I'm uh, going to hype up my Spanish stereotype, sit at the bodega, eat some, eat some empanadas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to re- rip my stereo's mask off. I'm going to take that mask off. I'm going to show him what he really looked like. He looked like an ugly, he, 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 he's so ugly, let's say, orale. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Very good, Eddie Guerrero, from you, Dave. Thank you. Um, all You're right, welcome. let's continue on with the quiz session. Uh, all right. What, who are the current WCW Tag Team Champions? The current WCW Tag Team Champions are Hall and Nash. Okay, and then the current WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Hollywood Hogan. Bing, bing, bing. All right, so, you know, 
Five out of six ain't bad. No, not bad. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's all you got? I, uh, I mean, we could go through WWF, but we, we pretty much know that. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty easy. That's true. Yeah. I mean, unless you want me to quiz you on like... Uh, Undertaker, Rocky <laughs> Maivia, um, British Bulldog, Owen and Bulldog as tag champs. Yep. The end. Yeah. I win. The end. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't get too interesting until later into the year. I, I think that'd be a fun game to actually play in 1998, how many titles changed throughout both promotions. Oh, that'd be a tough one, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know. That'd be a tough one, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, between, you know, the, the the outsiders and then, you know, Judy Bagwell and Rick Steiner as <laughs> the tag yeah. team champions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be pretty rough. What, um, let me I'll ask you a question. At, at, at this time, what is the more credible title to you, do you think, when you were looking back? Um... Looking back? Yeah, or, or, or at the time, and then looking back. At the time, I don't know if I thought of... I mean, I was watching a little more WCW than WWF, but WWF was um, was piquing my interest because of the Brett turn right? Um, and the Hart Foundation. So, um, at the time, I guess you would have to say the, the WCW title. Won okay. With Hogan as the champion, I, at the time, I mean, I guess you you could say it was more credible in hindsight. Um, in hindsight, I don't think. I guess you could say that in hindsight, maybe the WWF title was more credible um, because the importance of the how that what you know the championship revolved around you know with so many different guys. You know, the year started with. Sid and Sean and their rivalry for the title. Then Sean wins, loses his smile. You get the controversy at the Royal Rumble. Austin cheating to win. Yeah, Brett, a bit of hot you know, shot going. Brett, Brett, you know, on this path to trying to regain the title again after being gone for God knows how long. So, um, and then Brett winning it, then losing it, then Undertaker winning it, and then Undertaker being a fighting champion. Maybe the WWF title was the more important title uh, in, in wrestling at that time. Uh, looking back on it now, but I, I back then, twenty five years ago, I didn't really, I didn't really um, measure up which title was more important. I, I probably watched WCW a little more because I was still enthralled by the the NWO storyline and the trajectory with Sting. Yeah. Uh, at this time, I think Sting had kind of made his intentions clear that he was still a loner, but he was not with the NWO. Um, and and he was on the path to wanting a piece of Hogan, so that was the buildup for for uh, for that match with, with with Sting and Hogan. Yeah, absolutely. I think to me the WCW title was more elusive then because I wasn't so familiar with WCW. I had always mm-hmm. watched WWF more, but uh, okay. I, I thought I thought that you know it, it was a it was an older title. Um, but I always loved the WWF championship and I, I held that I held that close to me for I still do you know I, I love the lineage of WWF champions but uh, to some degree they started hot shotting uh, around this time you know it went it bounced around a bit too much and I was like yeah. All right, we're, we're losing we're losing you know some form of uh 
Sid and Sean yeah. and Brett and Sid and Undertaker. I mean, Undertaker had the longer reign yes. uh, with the title in 97. Yes. Uh, he went from March you know, of to 97 August. to August. So he had the longest reign out of everybody. But um, at the, by the same token, if you look back on it, there was one, two, three, four, four guys that held the WWF championship throughout the course of 97, if you think about it. Sid, Sean, Brett, and Undertaker. Nobody else held that title. Yeah. So it, 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 it bounced around between the same four guys oh, over the course of 12 months. Wow! Oh, my Talking God. over this match here, Sasuke. He just did a fucking... Uh, Acai Moonsault. Yeah, an Acai Moonsault. Into moon the salt. stage of the town hall. Jesus, his knees just crash into the edge of the stage. Grand Hamada yeah. spiked Dick Togo with a spinning uh, tilt, uh, tornado DDT, and then spinning going for a, tornado. Yep. Yeah. Top going rope for the Frankensteiner. Frankensteiner. <clears throat> Did you see that Speaking video that I sent you uh, of Scott Steiner no. in 1989? No, I didn't. Oh, it's it's Scott Steiner doing a um, a 450 splash. Oh, you know what? I, I saw that you sent it to me. I didn't click on it. I was just, my ADD sometime kicked in, and then, you know, I was at work, I think, when you sent it to me. So, well, I'll have to, I'll have to check Steiner it out. Steiner from the top turnbuckle doing a full rotation, kind of landing on his feet first, and then and then smashing in his chest into the, the prone opponent. But that was the first ever sighting of the 450 splash. So, interesting. Uh, uh, he, he innovated that maneuver. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Or at least in the United States. He I believe he, I believe that's the first sighting of it because later ones in the other uh, promotions in lucha and J- Japanese wrestling, they're later dates that they show. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the Steiners going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, Absolutely. WrestleMania weekend. That's I'm definitely really hyped for that one because they're long overdue and they're in my top three of favorite tag teams of all time. Um, very criminally underrated team that doesn't get enough credit for their innovation in tag team wrestling. And I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see them. Hopefully I'm hoping that they, that they actually get some time and, you know, have, you know, have a speech in front of the audience and they don't choose to digitally induct, but there's only four induct four or five inductees this year. It's not a, it's not really a full class. So, um, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do. And then Scott with a live mic, man, whew, that's going to be interesting. Like I said, if he don't cut that math promo in his well, whole yeah, induction if, if speech, you think it about doesn't it, count. Yeah, if you think about it, they, they have – it's them going in and then another guy. So they're essentially in a triple threat. And if you look at the guys that they're going against, <laughs> normally you got a 50-50 chance of winning, but they're genetic <laughs> freaks. So 25 at best to beat them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, if you think about it, really only one of them is genetic freak, so it's like twelve and a half percent. Oh, jeez, our math chance is of beating them because the other one's a dog faced gremlin. So, so the other people have an eight and one third chance of uh, having a better uh, Hall of Fame induction than them. Uh, yeah, especially Undertaker. You would definitely have to, <laughs> yeah, because he's dead. So, wow, like huge he's not alive. Device in Look the at this, Dick Togo picking up. The pin, no. Oh, Jesus he kicked that. that he kicked out of his wrestling. finisher. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. Oh, good God Almighty! He kicked out of the Doomsday Advice. The son of a bitch. Jesus uh, Christ Almighty. Here we go. Uh, just a senton splash. If that's gonna be the finish, 
You gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. And now all these fucking virgins standing up clapping. That that match should have ended with a doomsday device. Right? Yeah, sometimes with Japanese wrestling, uh, I I feel like a finish should have came like a half a move or two moves before because it, it, you know, the guy is always trying to perform his finishing move sometimes to some degree. Um, yeah. Kevin Nash once brought up in a shoot interview, he was very critical of the ECW style of booking and Paul Heyman kind of, um, kind of ripped into him publicly about it. And Nash in the shoot interview goes, um, he says something to the effect. And this was pretty funny too. He was like, he was like, uh, go through barbed wire, through a flaming table, um, Kick out of your finish, but then get rolled up after being hit by a rubber dinosaur for the finish. Some shit right. like that. He was like, yeah, fuck you. That's not real. <laughs> the way he said it was just funny, too. Like, And he was like, he was directly looking at the camera talking to Heyman. I'll have to find the clip somewhere. It was like an old, old shoot interview he did. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that fit. Come on now. You, if you're going to finish him, do it with the Doomsday Device call it a day. Not some, not some bullshit senton splash off the top rope. I mean, come on. That, that I, I can see why some people are critical of ECW's presentation and their style of, of storytelling. Because, come on, that's just that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, I, I did look at the thumbnails, and I do know that Taz has an upcoming promo if you want to uh, hit the audio when he comes out eventually. Um, yeah, let's there, do it. Yeah. Oh, is. here we go. Oh, brother, I'm here. Sabu, <laughs> you better come out of here. I'm going to choke you out, brother. That's right. I'm gonna hit you with a Gucci Katami and then a T-bone suplex right there. There you go, nuns. Yeah, back to back to back to back to Staten Island. Oh, here we go. My nephew on his neck, dump you right on your head, right on your dome, brother. All right, here we go. I'll play the audio for this promo. Yeah, I think he has one. Let's do it. After that was it. No, no, no. I think he has one in the studio after this. This is just a flashback. Build up to these guys, man. Oh, they start fighting. They, they finally touched. touched each other. Oh, boy, Ooh, here touched. we go. Ooh, they Sabu, you better not touch, touch me. Don't you touch better me. not touch me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. He's got his <laughs> finger out. Not touching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I swear. Oh, I they finally it. touched right before the pay-per-view. Yeah. Look at that. There we go. Oh, let's play it. Clint Eastwood once said, man's got to know his limitations. I got you so pent up. I got you so hot. I got you so You're calling me out now. And I love it. I love it. I can taste April 13th, Sabu. I can taste you. Ooh. I can taste your blood and your stinky, sweaty, scarred body. See, Sabu, I am your limitations. You can beat man after man after man. On the 13th, you can't beat me, Sabu. You can't hurt me. You can't touch me. I can taste you, Sabu. I can taste you. 
Back in the day, you beat the Tasmaniac. But no problem. I was the underdog, Sabu. The Tasmaniac was the underdog. But it's amazing. Full circle. Look who the underdog is now. Look who the underdog is, Sabu. Because if you don't think it's you, you're a bigger schmuck than I thought you were. <laughs> Sabu, I can taste you. Oh. April 13th, barely legal, pay-per-view. I'm not the underdog no more. I am your limitation, Sabu. I swear to you, and as God is my witness, you better prepare yourself. I am training my ass off. You better be, Sabu. Because if you don't come prepared, I'll probably kill you. I'm not the underdog no more, Sabu. I can taste you. I'm not the underdog no more. You are the underdog. You are going to be eaten up at will, at ease by me. Look in my eyes, Sabu. You are the underdog. April 13th, say goodbye to the legend, Sabu. I'm going to kill him. All right, well, right. he was very repetitive. He said yes. he was going to taste Sabu a bunch of times and that <laughs> Sabu was the underdog. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, that, that you could have cut that promo in half by, like, three minutes. Like, I think that's what it, they were used to, but I think they just let it roll and didn't have a chance to edit or cut, or, you know, they didn't have a point to cut out, you know? Yeah. Because uh, he, he said that same thing, like, twice, like, almost like he was redoing it uh, for more intensity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... A, a great build, though, nonetheless. Like you said, it makes you want to see it. I don't want to see him yep. taste him. No. But, uh, You're like the underdog. I'm going to taste you, and then I'm going to kill you. Because, you know, Jeffrey other dogs Dahmer lick other dogs' asses. <laughs> to show dominance. That's dominance. Yeah. I'm going to dominate you, Sabu, and then I'm going to kill you. And then after I kill you, I'm going to taste you. And then I'm going to lick under your carriage, your dog. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's our episode. Of that is. Uh, thank thank you, you, everybody, for listening along. As always, you can find us on any podcasting flat platform by searching Retromania with a W. Dave, where can we find you? And we will sign off. Kicking Out at 2 on Facebook. That's right. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out 2. Uh, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. Uh, all of our shows are up there on the streams. we got WrestleMania content for you as we head into the weekend. Uh, we got um, you know a special watch-along with uh, Mr. Rosenbluth. My father joined me. It's up on the streams. You can find it. It's uh, the Ricky Steamboat Macho Man Randy Savage classic from WrestleMania 3. Uh, very sentimental, nostalgic episode there as my father and I talk about our trip to 
to, to go see this WrestleMania in a closed circuit movie theater when I was four years old. So uh, this, this is going to be a lot of fun. And then a special bonus episode of uh, a WrestleMania-sized bonus episode is we're going to be covering WrestleMania 8 from start to finish, the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania 8 coming up. You can find that in the streams as well. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> 